Yo, 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 what's up guys? Welcome to another episode of Dialogue Heavy with yours truly, Michael Anthony McMillan. It is the second day of 2019. Happy New Year, guys. Hope you guys had a good time. Hope you guys got a little faded. Had enjoyed the countdown and had your little kisses at midnight and all that other stuff. I was here at work. My wife came over for a little while. Anyway, you know, um, this is the second episode of GOAT, greatest of all time, our mixed martial arts fighter who is basically the GOAT, the best mixed martial arts fighter we've ever seen. If you didn't listen to episode one, you probably should so you can catch up, but I'll give you a quick little recap before we get into the second episode. So in the first episode, I introduced you guys to the world of mixed martial arts. If you didn't know it, if you're not a fan of it and my, and my love for it, and also I introduce the dynamic of a person who is has a a secret private life but a public perception life and happens to be the best at what they do in their public life uh their career wise and stuff like that and how the two intrinsically will ultimately come to you know affecting each other so our guy john in the first episode will go through you know training and also trying to get a fight that will ultimately land him in UFC Ultimate Fighting Championship, the premier league in mixed martial arts. It's like NFL, you know, NBA, MLB for uh, combat sports. And um, at first, his character, uh, the character John, um, is is cutting weight. And uh, it turns out that, like in real life, in, uh, in amateurs, people fall out. Of, of competition all the time they don't make it to the fight and stuff and he thinks that he's never going to make it to the UFC because at this point at that fight the president was going to be there uh, the president of the UFC the company that he wants to get hired by is going to be there and he's pissed off because now the his opponent pulls out but at the last second another opponent comes in and fills in the spot and um John is able to successfully win that fight and talk some major crap to the president of the UFC and, and get ultimately get in. So they'll go, him and his family will go celebrate after that. And then, you know, he goes home and he gets dressed. There's actually a scene now that I want to add in there before he gets dressed, but um, before he takes a shower and everything after, you know, having dinner with his family and friends, but he'll do that. Then he goes home and him and his girlfriend are talking in the bedroom and he says that he he's leaving the house and she's asking why and all this other stuff. And then we see why. And it's his first time going into a gay bar. Um, he gets picked up by a guy named Jeremy, who's his Uber Lyft driver and stuff like that. And boom, takes him into the into a gay bar, has his first kiss, meets his you know first guy and stuff like that. And he's like super, super excited and happy. This dude literally was beating the hell maybe like a couple hours before beating the hell out of somebody in a cage. And then, you know, he, now he's um, smooching in the club uh, with, a, with, a, with, a, with another guy. So, yeah, that's a, that's a recap of what happened. Uh, so now going into this episode will kind of be a little crazy because it's a flashback. We, I'm starting in a flashback. So here we go. Goat, episode two. Um, greatest fall time written by Michael Anthony McMillan. Here we go. Flashback. Interior. John's parents' home day. An 11-year-old John is crying while packing a suitcase. Behind him are his mother and father, Greg and Elise, arguing. Elise, he doesn't want to go to that stupid military summer camp, Greg. Greg, I don't care what he wants, Elise. 
You think I want to go to work every day? That's the point. That's life. It'll make him a man. A man? He's 11. He's going, Elise, and that's final, says Greg. Elise. He's a boy, Greg. There are a bunch of sports he can play around here over the summer that doesn't have kids a few years older than him ordering him around, making him do push-ups and stuff. Oh, would you stop with the push-ups? That's not all they do. And they're military veteran counselors. Uh, I'm sorry. Excuse me, guys. And they have military veteran counselors who watch over the kids as well. So stop, all right? Greg looks to John. John, hurry up. I I don't want to be late. Yes, sir, says John. Greg walks out. John wipes his face and closes his luggage as Elise walks up to him in the flashback. Present day. Interior. John's parents' house. Evening. We see pictures of John's parents' weddings. The boys' wrestling photos. A glass case of all the boys' trophies. And a picture of John winning some kind of jiu-jitsu competition. Then, Greg's Marine Corps service photo. At the dining table, Greg, a tall, strapping, mid-40s man, stands with a glass of wine in his hand. Greg, all right, boys, listen up. I want to toast to my youngest, to my youngest boy, John, for finally getting the call up to the big leagues. Everyone raises their glasses. Elise coughs really hard. You okay, honey? I'm fine, says Elise. Elise looks to John. Just proud of my, just proud of you, sweetie. Elise comes over and gives John a kiss on the cheek, then rubs off the lipstick. Greg smiles. John, thanks, Mom. Everyone takes a drink and sits down to eat. Greg, so, John, you got your first fight yet? No, sir, but I think Rashad is working on something. Good, good, says Greg. Now, that's a real man's sport right there. That's a real man's sport right there. There are women in the sport, too, says Elise. There's women in the sports. There's women in the sport too, Greg. Talented, tough girls. Elise flexes her muscles. Greg, well, I didn't say it was perfect. What is that supposed to mean, says Elise. You know exactly what I mean, Elise, says Greg. No women should be getting their face bashed in for a living. Well, nobody. Well, no. Well, nobody should, if you ask me, says Elise. Mom, says John. Sorry, honey. Greg. Now, now, if I had a daughter, says Greg, she would never do that. Thank God for that, says Elise. John, baby, please pass the mashed potatoes, please. John passes a bowl over to Elise. And they shouldn't, says Greg, be allowed in the military either. John drops his fork and wipes his face with a napkin. Everyone looks as if they've heard this story before. Greg continues. The world has gone crazy since I was a kid. Jimmy, how long was that again, Dad? How long ago was that again? Jimmy, Tommy laughs, then Jimmy does too, until they see Greg's face. They both shut up quickly. Greg, I'm serious now. Now, it used to be a time when everyone had a role and everyone played their role to a T. But now you got women CEOs and gay couples on every damn television show. It's like, it's like they're forcing this into our, it's like they're forcing this to be our new normal. <clears throat> That's because it is normal, Dad, says John. Now, pe- now people don't have to live in fear of who they are or live or live their lives hiding in the shadows. Well, says Greg, some things are better left in the dark, son. Elisa looks at John and John takes a drink angrily. Greg continues. You don't want to know. You don't want to know what we did to the pillow biters in the service when we got out, when we found out 
they were whatever you call it, at least gay, Greg. You can call it that. You know exactly what they call it. And stop it with your crazy views on what you think society should be like. If it were up to you, we would all still be back in the 1940s. Everyone except John laughs about that. Even Greg giggles a bit. Whatever. Well, guess what? What, Dad? Says Jimmy. Did we get one of those boxes that show you the news? Tommy. Or one of those machines that wash and dry clothes on its own? Oh, shut up, says Greg. Everybody laughs. Oh, shut up, thing one and thing two. I'm talking about the fact that I don't have to worry about that in this house. No gay boys in here. I have real men. Your mother and I raised real men who fight for a living and coach football and do whatever you do, Tommy. I run an application company, Dad. Yeah, that's millennia or millennia whatever talk, right? Millennials, Pop, says Tommy. And I make more than twice. than I, I make more than these two put together. Hey, says Jimmy. Yeah, whatever. Not for long, says John. Boys, says Elise. Greg, case in point, only real men are allowed in this house. Oh, be quiet, Greg, says Elise. John looks at his dad fiercely. Greg, and one goddess, old lady of mine. Elise smiles, then looks at John, who is staring down at his plate. Interior, John's apartment, uh, John's parents' house, living room, continuous. Greg sits in his lazy boy with his with his feet kicked up. Jimmy and Tommy are on the couch watching football alongside of him. Interior, John's parents' house kitchen, saying John washes the dishes <clears throat> while Elise dries. The man has a certain way at looking at life, sweetie. Always has, says Elise, yeah. I guess he never heard of a, the, the, the theory of evolution, says John. <laughs> Apparently not. I don't know how you married him. Elise walks over to to Greg and the boys, then comes back to John. He's not so bad, baby. But actually, I wasn't. What? You weren't what, Mom? You never told me that. Uh-huh. I was in love with your dad's best friend, Gary Mitchell. That's his best friend? Uh-huh. He was so sweet. He was even better looking than your dad. John laughs, interested. What what happened? Poor baby. Passed away in the war. Right in your father's arms, too. Damn, that's horrible, says John. I think he might have been, might have been even trying to save your dad when it happened. But that much is just rumor. Shit. Hey. Sorry, Mom. Yeah, but your father was always supportive after Gary's passing. He never pushed up on me. He was just there, impatient. And can, and can you believe it, John? The man brought me flowers every day for a year. John looks over at his father, then back to his mother. Elise continues. It wasn't until your grandmother told him we weren't a, we weren't running a funeral home that he finally stopped. <laughs> yeah. Then what? Says John. Time. Time is life's best healer, baby. And after a while, it just seemed right. He had already been through so much. We had already been through so much together. You fell for it, says John. Elise punches John in the arm. Stop it. Elise and John laugh together. <laughs> nah, I'm just kidding, Mom. But your man, my father, it's a piece of work. That he is. But he loves you. He'll always love you, no matter what, baby. Don't forget that. There's a look exchanged between John and his mother. What is that supposed to mean? Nothing. It's just he will always love you. All of you. No matter what. 
And what about you? Says John. Will you always love me? Baby, nothing could ever change that. John and his mother kiss, then hug. Interior John's car evening. John is just getting in his car from his parents' house when his phone rings. Hey, what's up, Rashad? Are you serious? Wait, how, how long do we have? Oh, that's doable. Yeah, I just ate, but I'll be fine. Cool, yeah. All right, I'll see you at the gym. All right, thanks, Rashad. John, Rashad, uh, John hangs up the phone and punches the ceiling of his car, excited. He, hear, he hears cheers from, in, from his parents' house and sees his brothers and dad cheering their team on in the living room. John looks down at his phone, then back out of the house, at the house, and his smile diminishes a bit. He turns on the car and drives off. Exterior, Las Vegas airport day. We see a plane land on the tarmac. At the bottom of the screen, we see Las Vegas. Interior, John's hotel room day. Rashad walks into the room where luggage is everywhere and a bag of Epsom salt is on the table. Rashad looks at a paper on the nightstand with the UFC letterhead. He takes it to the bathroom where John and another training partner and fighter cowboy are. John is in the hot is in a hot bath while cowboy is holding a timer Rashad, did you look at this itinerary yeah busy says john john grimaces sitting in the bathtub of, uh, sitting in the bathtub of hot water Rashad, that's what it's like in the pros kid i can handle it says john i'm on the first i'm 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 on first of the night i'm the first fight of the night but soon i'll be the main event I'll be main main eventing stuff like this. Sorry, guys. Let me start that over. I can handle it. I'm on first of the night, but soon I'll be main eventing stuff like this. Sure you will, but let's not forget to just take it one day at a time, right? I know that, says John. Rashad, (laughs) we finally made it. So now we take our time, pick the right opponents, and build from there. What do you mean, pick opponents, says John? We have to take the easiest route to the top while we seal up the gaps in your in our defense. Gaps? I don't have gaps. Rashad and Cowboy look at each other. John continues. What, you don't believe in me now? What? Says Rashad. You said I was the best, right? <laughs> Whoa, slow your roll, John, says Rashad. I'm just telling you how we're going to set up our master plan. You don't want to have to spit have to have spent all this time trying to get to the dance, get there, get beat up because you're not listening, and be right back on the local circuit a year from now now, do you? No, says John. Alright. Alright then, says Rashad. Let's just get through this fight first. Win and win before we start talking about pay-per-view points and main events, alright? Alright, coach. Cowboy, I think somebody underestimated the weight cut. Shut up, Cowboy, says John. John flicks some hot water on Cowboy. Hey, says Cowboy. He's right, says Rashad. John, we used to have a regiment weeks out from the fight. And what is that, says John? Eat, sleep, and tra- eat, sleep, train, and repeat. And what? I haven't done that, says Sean. You tell me. John looks down, back down at the water. <laughs> John, I'm going to ask this one time. Then I'll never bring it up again. Do you want to be a champion? Yeah, says John. Do you want to be the greatest of all time? Yes, says John. Then act like it. Yeah, says Cowboy. John, shut up, Cowboy. John, 
These girls and guys at the top are doing everything right. They're eating right, sleeping right, training and recovering. They're doing everything they possibly can to be a champion. If we don't do that, plus more, we might as well pack it up because there ain't no way we can be champion half-assing. Time's up, says Cowboy John, hops out of the bathtub and runs to the living room floor where Rashad and Cowboy cover him with towels. Rashad, I know you, John. I've known you since your little skinny ass walked into my gym five years ago talking about how to, how do I become a UFC champion. Well, this is the next step in that process, son. You're young and hungry and you have to you have the potential to be the best to be the best the sport has ever seen. But even even the few people that have that kind of potential to be the best can fuck it up. Don't fuck this up, kid. John is staring at John. John is staring at him. I won't. I know that. I know. All right, I'm heading downstairs to grab a burger and a beer. I'll be back. Take care of this weight. John looks at Cowboy as Rashad leaves. Coach, you give me the Rocky speech and you just diss me for a burger? Yep, says Rashad. Fight number two. Interior, octagon, night. John is already fighting against his opponent, Bonner. We can hear Joe, Joe and Daniel commentate his fight. Joe. And another gruesome leg kick by the newcomer, Daniel. This kid is the new age mixed martial artist that I was talking about. Yeah, Joe, says Daniel. Just super well-rounded. He comes out of a camp in Long Beach, California called the Wolfpack. <clears throat> I heard there's some killers in that. And I heard there's some killers in there. Oh, and a, and a solid left hook followed by a right body kick. The body kick hurts Bonner and John swarms him with punches, but the buzzer sounds and Herb Dean, the referee, separates them. Oh, saved by the bell, says Daniel. Joe, indeed. He looks a bit wobbly, Joe. He looks a bit wobbly, Dan Dan Daniel. <clears throat> his his corner needs needs to seriously consider calling this. I don't know, Joe. I mean you always want to be cautious, but Bonner's tough and a crafty veteran. Yeah. Sometimes being too tough can be your downfall in this game, says Joe. John is in his corner. The cut man has an inswell over his eye. Rashad is icing his chest. Okay, John. This guy's ready to go home. His corner knows it and he knows it. But I want, I don't want you to rush in, all right? That's what he wants you to do so he can use whatever energy he has left to throw that overhand right. Use your feints and try to pull it out of him, okay? Yeah. Once he throws that last overhand, <clears throat> it's time to end this thing. When he over, when he overextends, excuse me, guys. When he overextends, take him down and see what he gives you. Yeah, okay. You good? How you feeling? Feeling like a champ. Like a what? Like a champ! Buzzer sounds. Seconds out, says Herb. Rashad, that's what I like. That's what I like to hear. Let's do this and go home. Got it, says John. John gets up and jumps up and down. His opponent looks exhausted. Daniel, the energy on these young bucks, Joe, is amazing. Yeah, says Joe. Well, he's also been able to do practically everything he wants in this fight. John starts the round, says Daniel. John starts the round with a nice solid jab. That snaps Bonner's head back. Oh, yep, says Joe. Taking his time. Great composure. A lot of feints. Another leg kick. Oof. Big swing and a miss by Bonner, says Daniel. And John takes him down right into the side mount. The kid is good, Joe. Yeah, he listens to his corner too, says Joe. This should be stopped any time now. Herb Dean is about to stop this. John grounds and pounds Bonner until Bonner turns his back and the referee steps in and waves it off. Johnny Bones Jones does it in his UFC debut, says Daniel. 
<clears throat> second round TKO over a tough veteran and Bonner. John walks off pretending to wipe sweat off of his forehead and jumps on the top of the cage pointing out to the crowd. The crowd goes wild. Ladies and gentlemen, I think we have a problem in the middleweight division, says Joe. And his name is John Bones Jones. Bruce Buffer <clears throat> is in the middle of the cage. Ladies and gentlemen, referee Herb Dean has called an end to this fight with at 35 seconds in the second round, declaring the winner by TKO, Johnny Bones Jones. John shakes his hand, shakes the hand of Bonner and his corner, then Joe grabs him. <clears throat> wow, kid. You put on a clinic out here tonight. How does it feel to be able to come out here to Vegas, fight on three weeks notice in your debut and do what you just did, kid? (sighs) Joe, this is what I do. I told Uncle Dana about a month ago, put that bat, put that bat bat signal in the air and I'm coming. I'm a coming. Now, did you like that, Joe? Certainly did, kid. Let's take a look at the big screen and watch your handiwork. The two look up at the Megatron as it shows highlights of John's fight. You see, says Joe, there were just no positions where Stefan could hide where Stefan could hide. You kept them at bay with your piercing jab, then you chopped chopped them down with your leg kicks. Then when he got a little desperate, you took him down to the ground, dispatched him until Herb Dean had saw enough. You mean until Herb Dean saved his life, says John. Joe, let's be honest. And Dana, let's get that 50 G's cracking for that flawless victory. What do you think about that, Joe? Should I get the extra money for not getting hit? I think you should get... I think you should, but I don't write the check, says Joe. Ah, it's all right, Joe. What do you see next for yourself, John? Well, says John, everybody's going to get these bones soon, so don't worry about it, Joe. Uh, The goal is the belt. Has been since I started in this thing, but for now... I'll eat on these little guppies until the buzz gets a bit gets a bit bigger. And when it does, Joe, I'm taking over this whole game. I like it. I can't wait to watch your next fight. Oh, everybody, my coaches, training partners, and my family back at home. Love you guys. We did it, ma. Johnny Bones Jones, ladies and gentlemen, says Joe. John walks out of the cage giving high fives to fans. Daniel. Kids, got potential here, Joe. That that he does. I can't wait to see what the UFC has planned next for him. Sky's the limit. He has the look. He has the swag, as these young kids call it. And most importantly, the kid can fight. Yep. Good fight for the newbie. Interior. Nightclub. Night. John is in the VIP section dancing to loud music. There are other training partners with him, including Cowboy having a blast popping bottles. Cowboy sees a group of girls eyeing John. Yo, John, look, says Cowboy. <clears throat> John looks, then takes a drink, but doesn't budge. You're not going to dance with them? For what, says John. Because they're fucking hot, says Cowboy. John looks uncomfortable. Nah, Chow wouldn't like that. The fuck? I said dance, not fuck, says Cowboy. John takes another drink. Then him and Cowboy make their way down towards the dance floor and start dancing. A girl in a black dress named Cat takes charge immediately and pulls John close to her and they start to dance. She rubs his arms and John doesn't know where to put his hands. She grabs him and puts them on her butt. Congratulations. What? Says John. I said congratulations? On what? Oh, the fight? Thank you. No, on catching me, says Kat. Uh, All right, says John. John looks over to Cowboy who's now surrounded by D3 
three girls dancing with his shirt off. Your friend's kind of wild, huh? <laughs> yeah, he's a cowboy. Well, I'm Cat. John. <sighs> I know who you are. You were in that WWE fight that was on TV tonight, right? Oh, yeah, something like that, says John. Cat looks deep in John's eyes and sees something peculiar. John's phone rings. He looks down, and it's a text from Tyler asking if he's busy. John texts back, no. Tyler texts back, call me, call when you get a chance. Cat looks down at John's phone before he puts it back in his pocket quickly. Girlfriend? Uh, no. John looks over to Cowboy. Cowboy! John signals to leave. Cowboy is busy between girls grinding. What? Boyfriend? Says Cat. John looks at Cat immediately in the eyes, then back at Cowboy who is still dancing, and then he walks out of the club. Interior, Wolfpack, Gym, Day. John trains intensely, hitting pads as Rashad calls out orders. Next, he wrestles and then does some conditioning, all while Chow and other spectators watch. After practice, Chow comes up to John <clears throat> while he's taking off his mitts. Hey, hey, Chow, says John. Chow gives John a big hug, which he is apprehensive to. I'm all sweaty, Chow. It's okay. I like your sweat. Really? <laughs> all right, weirdo, says John. So, says Chow, I know we've been missing each other around the house a lot, so I just wanted to come down and say hey. Oh, that's what's up. That's cool. Yeah, I've been a bit busy lately. All of a sudden, I'm this thing since the fight. Rashad says the phone is going crazy off the hook, and I'm sorry. What? Says John. I'm sorry. About the other night and how things ended, I just, John interrupts. Chow, you don't have to, you don't, you don't, John looks around. Didn't he continues? You don't have to be sorry about that. It's just, I know that you're about to blow up like we all knew you would, and I don't want to lose you. Chow, I'm not going anywhere. And lose me? That, that's never going to happen. Chow is emotional, but takes, but that makes her, Chow is emotional, but that makes her laugh. John, you're stuck with me forever. Chow looks at John seriously. Really? Yeah. Promise? Yeah. <laughs> um, look, how about I take a take my girlfriend, John Winks, out on a lunch date before my meeting later. Meeting? You got meetings down, Mr. Big Shot? <laughs> take it easy. I don't know if you heard, but I'm uh, kind of the shit now. Whatever, says Chow. Chow punches John in the arm. All right, all right, all right. I'll meet you in front. Let me uh just take a quick shower, okay? Okay, says Chow. John gives Chow a kiss on the cheek that she melts into and watches him as he leaves into the locker room. Hurry, says Chow. Interior, Wolfpack Gym. Locker room, continuous. John dries off while people are leaving out the locker room and his phone rings. A text message from Tyler asking to move up their date a few hours. John looks around thinking, then replies, yes. Exterior, Wolfpack Gym, parking lot day. John walks up to Chow, walks to Chow's car. She's singing along to music. Chow. Chow looks up, smiling, then sees John's face, and she gets angry at once. What now? Uh, we're going to have to reschedule our little date. Why, John? Um, I have to move my business meeting up. Business meeting, John? We were just kidding earlier. John looks around. John 
John looks around, but his face tells Chow everything he needs to know. Yeah. This is bullshit, John. What? Says John. You don't even have a job, John. All of a sudden, <laughs> you got business meetings and shit? What do you think? I'm stupid? You run an Apple now or something? Would you keep it down, Chow? No, I'm sick of this shit, John. For years, I've played the girlfriend for you. Your family and your friends, even, even fooling my family and friends, hoping you'd come around. Come around? Come around to what, Chow? Chow looks straight forward, pissed off. Chow continues. Uh, John continues. Chow, you knew what this was when we started. Yeah. John. Chow, I, Chow interrupts. Shut up, John. I don't want to hear any more of your I'm sorry or I love yous and I'm always going to be there for you. Because if you did, you know, you know, act if you... Okay, let me start it over, guys. Sorry. Shut up, John. I don't want to hear any more of your I'm sorry's or I love you's. I'm always there for you because, or I'm always there for you. Because if you did, you know exactly, actually, if you actually cared about me, you see how much hurt I've dealt with being this pre- pretend shit. I'm, I'm sorry. What did I just say? Said Chow. Child turns on her car and drives off. John watches her car drive away. Interior restaurant afternoon. Tyler is sitting by himself on his phone when John comes walking up. Tyler stands up. Hey, says Tyler. Hi, says John. Tyler gives John a big hug. When he tries to kiss him, John shyly turns away. Swing and a miss, says Tyler. Tyler sits down. John sits opposite. Sorry. No, I get it. So... How was Vegas? Says Tyler. Good. Good. That's all? That's all you got for me? After what you did to that poor old man? John laughs. You watched the fight? Of course I did, says Tyler. John smiles. That's cool. What did you think? I think I don't want to ever piss you off, says Tyler. John laughs again. John. It's just business. Believe it or not, I don't hate my opponents. Really? You could have fooled me, says Tyler. No, it's, it's not like that. Actually, sometimes after fights in the back, most room in back in the back room, most fighters win or lose are like taking pictures together, posting on social media, making plans to hang out for the night, all that. You'd hang out with somebody after they beat the crap out of you. John thinks for a minute. I don't know. Maybe. What do you mean you don't know? Well, <laughs> I'd have to actually lose to know. Oh shit! Humble brag, says Tyler. Oh shut up says John. John pushes Tyler's hand. Tyler grabs his hand and holds it as a waitress walks up. Hi, guys. Can I... The waitress looks down at John and Tyler's holding hands. Get you to... John pulls his hand back fast. Tyler, can we have two double cheeseburgers, two fries, and we'll split a strawberry milkshake? Thank you. Split, says the waitress. The waitress looks from Tyler to John, then back to Tyler. Uh, yeah, is that a problem? Says Tyler. John interrupts. Uh, sorry. Yeah, you can do one order of whatever he just asked for. I'll just get the grilled chicken and, um, do you have broccoli? No, says the waitress. Uh, okay. Uh, green beans? Nope. Ugh. All right. Um, okay, then I'll just take the chicken with the side salad and Italian dressing. Boring, says Tyler. Whatever. Is that all? Says the waitress. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. The waitress walks off bitch is that all says tyler relax says john no this is the food service business this is the this is the food service business service being the operative word 
She's just not used to Tyler and Rubs. Used to what? Seeing two men eat? That's bullshit. You know what I mean, says John. What? Says Tyler. Because we're gay, that makes a difference? Oh, uh, why do you have to talk so loud, says John. I'm not talking loud. I'm talking normal. And I can't believe this shit doesn't piss you off. You're talking loud. And I'm not pissed because I didn't see her do anything wrong. No. No. John, you didn't see her because you don't even have the sense to see yourself. What is that supposed to mean? Says John. Other patrons are starting to look at John and Tyler. Tyler, you're gay, John. You're gay. I'm gay. And that's okay. Just quit being a bitch about it and man up to who you are. John looks around the restaurant embarrassed Tyler continues I'm not ashamed that I'm gay my money is green I pay my taxes like everyone else in this fucking place and I should be treated like a regular fucking patron right says John you don't even you don't you don't feel even a little offended that you're treated different because of your orientation well I'm black so oh shut up you know what I mean had I or you been a girl holding hands then it would when that old witch the waitress is taking talking to the manager who starts to make his way towards Tyler and John. John looks embarrassed. Walked up, she'd have thought that it was cute, but because, Tyler says, loud enough for the whole restaurant here, we're black homos, we can't eat here. John shakes his head in embarrassment. He pulls out a couple of dollars and puts it on the table and walks out of the restaurant. In the background, we see Tyler on top of the table, yelling and kicking at the manager who's trying to get him down. Exterior, mountain, morning, John is running sprints up a hill with Cowboy and another training part and other training partners. Rashad is at the top with a timer in his hands. All right, ladies, let's go. John sprints to the top and they walk down exhausted. Go. They all go again. Go. They all go again. John pours water on himself. After a drink, he looks around at the terrain, enjoying the sights at the top of the mountain. Cowboy walks up to him, breathing heavy. Everything all right, man? What? says John. Yeah, look at this, man. Yeah, she's a beaut, says Cowboy. Yeah, she is, says John. So, uh, everything else all right? Like what, says John. I don't know, home life, family, child. Why, says John. Why, says Cowboy. Yeah, why, says John. Is my personal life all of a sudden a topic of fucking conversation? I was just John interrupts. I'm out of here. Oh, all right, says Cowboy. John grabs his towel and water and heads towards his car. Rashad comes up to Cowboy. What the hell just happened? Shit if I know. But I got some bisons marinating that's been marinating for 24 hours calling my name, Coach. I ain't got time for this shit. You good? Yeah, I'm good. Go on ahead, Cowboy. All right. Cowboy walks off. Rashad drives. Rashad watches John drive away. Interior, John in Chow's house, evening. John pulls out a beer from the refrigerator as he's talking to Jeremy who is sitting on the couch watching UFC you want a beer Jeremy child no says Jeremy I don't do carbonation <laughs> I thought that was funny <laughs> John looks in the cabinet I, I guess yeah I got some wine in here what kind oh my gosh Jeremy reacts to the fighting on the screen what John comes out with a bottle of red and a bottle of white wine the guy in the black shorts just hit the cute one in his elbow with his elbow. Nice, says John. John sits and watches as he puts the bottles on the table. Jeremy looks at the bottles. What are these? Uh, I don't know. Oh, nice knee, says John. 
I'll go with white. Sure, says John. So finish telling me what he did. Oh, says John. Knock. Oh, knockout. Did you see that? He hit that head kick behind his jab perfectly. Jeremy sips on the wine, not caring at all. Uh Uh-huh. Anyway, so yeah. He flips out at the waitress, cursing her out. He's pissed at me because I didn't kiss him in in front of the whole damn restaurant. It It was a disaster. Sounds like it. Yeah, whatever. Has he called you? Says Jeremy. Yeah, only about 20 times, not including texts. Stalker alert. Yeah. And the thing was over before it even started. And the thing I canceled on Chow to hang out with him. What's your deal with her anyway? Says Jeremy. What do you mean? I mean, she knows you're gay, right? Um, I don't, I don't know how to... Uh, yeah. Okay, yeah, I think so. Mm. Jeremy takes another drink. John, it's just we've been like good friends for so long. Friends are like friends. Jeremy gestures to sex. Oh, no. Well, we do sometimes, but Jeremy throws his hands up. What? What? Says John a few times here and there and here and there, John. And you wonder why she's always pissed. She thinks she's your girlfriend. No, she knows. I mean, well, you look, Jeremy, you look, look, you like boys. You like boys, but you're fucking her. Does that sound right to you? Yeah, I guess you're right, says John. The front door opens and Chow walks in. Jeremy sits up and John stands up. Chow, this is uh, this is Jeremy. Jeremy, Chow. Oh, why, hello, sweetie, says Jeremy. Chow looks at Jeremy up and down. Thanks for asking your girlfriend, Chow. Thanks for asking if your girlfriend can drink my wine. Chow walks past them to the bedroom and slams the door. John looks at Jeremy. And that's my cue, says Jeremy. No, don't go, says John. Interior, Chow's bedroom continues. Chow is listening, ear to the door. Interior, John and Chow's house. Living room, continuous. Jeremy, uh, no. You guys should talk. The fight isn't even finished yet, says John. Jeremy grabs his bag and walks to the door. Uh, you got that right, says uh, John laughs as Jeremy walks out. All right, all right. I'll call you later, Jerm. Thanks. Jeremy walks to his car. Anytime, sweetie, and uh, good luck. Yeah, says John. Before John closes the door, Chow interrupts. You're even bringing him over to my house now? What? Says John. John closes the door. You're just rubbing this shit in my face, aren't you? Who? Jeremy? Jeremy, huh? His name is Jeremy. Great. Chow, Jeremy is just a friend. I can't do this anymore, John. Do what? What are you talking about? This is this this arrangement. You I I have I have you this this arrangement you and I have where you get to date around, do whatever the hell you want while I sit around looking like the idiot, John. You're not an idiot. No, not anymore. I'm not. I'm not the idiot. I'm moving out. Chow, you're not moving out. You think I'm playing? <laughs> you think I'm playing, don't you? Chow, says John. Tomorrow I'm going to my mom's, tell them we broke up and I need a place to stay for a while while I get my things to check. Chow, you can't do that. Why the hell not? Because I... You know why. What, you afraid daddy is going to figure his golden child out? You you think... Excuse me, guys. Let me start again. What, you afraid daddy is going to figure out his golden child doesn't like girls? Well, too bad. I've been living in this shit for too long, and I deserve John Slam's child to the wall with his body. Deserve what, huh? What do you deserve? Chow's resisting. I deserve love, John. Real undivided love and attention and love. 
says John. John kisses Chow on her neck. She melts. Yeah. John takes off Chow's shirt. They start kissing. You want me? Yes. Yeah? Yes. John takes off his shirt and Chow starts kissing his nipples. John picks her up and they grind on the wall while kissing. John takes her into the bedroom. Chow, John and Chow's house, morning. John slowly wakes up and notices Chow laying on him. He maneuvers himself out of the bed, then goes into his bedroom and closes the door. Later, John walks into the kitchen where Chow is happily making breakfast. He sits at the table looking at his phone. Chow, morning, babe. John looks a little weirded out. Oh, hey. John looks at his phone, seeing missed texts from Ch- from Tyler. Answer your fucking phone. Want some bacon and eggs? Uh, cool. Thanks, says John. I was thinking maybe we should get that grill from Home Depot. You've been wait. You've been wanting. John gets a text from Jeremy. How did it go last night? Yeah, says John. Yeah, I think it would be nice to have a cookout in the summer in the backyard. You know. Uh, sure, says John. Chow comes over to the table and fills a glass of orange juice. John turns his phone over quickly. Juice? Yeah. (laughs) Who is that? Oh, what? Oh, just Rashad. Chow goes back to cooking. You know, you know he wouldn't miss an opportunity to grill some meat. (laughs) Yeah, says John. John texts back, not good, to Tyler text again so you're not uh, there's a t- John texts back not good to Tyler and sees a text from wait 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 John texts back to Jeremy not good and sees a text from Tyler saying you're just not going to answer me ciao none of the guys from the gym would <laughs> no nah, probably not right says John I think I want to plant something back there as well. Chow brings over a plate to John. He immediately flips over the phone again, hiding the screen. Chow stands over him, rubbing his back. You don't want to eat? No, it's just... A... Uh, oh, no, Chow, John. You don't want to eat? Nah, I was cooking for you, says Chow. There's an awkward silence while John starts to eat and Chow is standing over him. John's phone rings and rings and rings. You're not going to answer that? Nah, it's probably a cowboy. Well, let's see what he wants. John looks up nervously at Chow. He looks down at him. He picks up the phone, and it's a number he doesn't recognize. Hello? John. Dad? John covers the phone. It's my dad. Hmm, says Chow. Chow walks off. What's up? Chow is staring at John while washing dishes. John looks nervously at Chow, smiling. What? Hold on. John walks off into his room with Chow staring at him along the way. Interior. John's bedroom continues. John. Wait, where are you guys? Boom. And that is it for today. That is our second episode of The Goat. Greatest of all time. What do you guys think, man? John is getting his life all mixed up and confused. He got a boyfriend. He doesn't have a boyfriend. He's talking to Jeremy and Chow. And Chow's pissed off. And you can see now that he's manipulating her with uh, the, you know, with pretending of having a relationship. And when only at the dire constraints of like, he doesn't want to be found out yet. He can't be found out. He's not ready to come out. I don't know how this feels to be 
in a situation like John to be homosexual and your family doesn't know and and you have especially when you have such a strong-headed father like him my dad is actually a marine and um my brother my sister and I are all heterosexual uh but I'm not sure how my dad would have taken it if any of the boys were gay um sometimes you can you, you can hear it in your parents voice how you know, especially because my mom and my dad come from, you know, an earlier time. And now it's starting to get better. Like, I think me as a parent and people my age that have kids now, they, I mean, you just don't want it for them so they don't have to, how do you put it? You don't want them to have to go through the dramas of that. Nobody wants their kids to have to have any problems or issues, let alone, you know, issues that um, to some people feel like things that can be controlled, which I don't think so. I think people are born that way, but that's just my own personal opinion. But anyway, um, yeah, so I don't know how this would feel. I'm only imagining all these situations. So he's not ready to be found out yet. You know, he's trying to strive for his dream at the same time. He has all these things going on. And now with the craziness of Tyler, that guy from the his first kiss ends up to be a bit of a nutball or a bit of an extremist when it comes to being gay. Like he like he's well, he's just not as calm as John. I'll say that. I won't even say extreme. I'm pretty sure people are pissed off that they get treated different just for being who they are. I had a uh, different um, uh, podcast episode where I was talking about how the, the uh, effects of being black sometimes, how sometimes I walk behind people in a grocery store or just happens since you know you walking behind people or in front of people to the side or something like that and when I'm like to somebody's side and they have their purse on that side they switch sides or you know they put their wallet take their wallet out from the front and put it in uh, from the back and put it in the front so if I've had situations like that happen before and I'm not crazy enough to think that like that uh every single one of those times was a coincidence you know when you can see their body language and their face they see you they look down at their bag, they look at you again, and then all of a sudden they have to, you know, take it off of that shoulder and, and put it in their hands and wrap it around, you know, stuff like that. Anyway, this is that's just the only thing that I can contend with 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 John, uh, you know, with him being um, uh, gay. So I can only imagine. So what he's doing, he's going through every measure. This, here's a guy who's not attracted to women, but he's not only uh, befriending someone Somebody that's probably really his friend, but uh, he used her to pretend to be in a relationship um, so he won't be found out by his parents. He's, he has a veneer. He has a veil, oh, not a veneer, a veil over everybody's eyes with this pretend girlfriend that everybody thinks is just going to be his wife one day and stuff. And in all actuality, they're basically roommates. And um, and when she threatens him, when she finally gets enough and threatens him about leaving, you know, he sleeps with her because he knows that she actually loves him, is in love with him. I, th- I, got, I thought that that was like a great, like, love affair type of situation. You know what I mean? But with that, this girl in need of love and, you know, all she has is this fake version of it because it's this out, 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 this, this fascinating man that she loves and respects and stuff but uh he likes men and she just praying one day that he just like oh that was a phase and snaps out of it and that is just not gonna happen this dude is actually gay even if he doesn't want to admit it yet so anyway (laughs) i hope that you like this chapter and uh in our in our saga with john and his saga he had his first actual ufc fight won that fight um got to talk to joe and daniel 
and stuff like that anyway so i don't want to blabber on too long but I'm, I'm i'm really glad that you guys are listening i pray that you listen to it over and over and over again and we can continue to um i can continue to provide stories for you guys so this is another episode of dialogue heavy with me yours truly michael anthony mcmillan you can reach me on instagram at michael spelled the regular way period m-c-m-i-l-l-o-n also my email is mzzack199 at gmail.com uh hope that you guys liked it hope you guys have a good uh new year's and i i'm hoping that uh we can get these things sold this year too man we can get these things greenlit and made and uh that'd be great for you guys to actually be like man i was listening to this dude on a podcast i can't believe i'm actually seeing it now too so hopefully we can do that some one of these days soon so uh hopefully you guys continue to listen and we can get it out there and 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 make these movies ourselves or get help to make them and stuff like that we'll go from there so i will talk to you guys soon and uh have a great uh, new year's have a great day and i holla at you peace bye peace later go